every great Christmas story pretty much has to have a villain. Now, it's obvious kind of who we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, right? I mean, our title character, right? Other than that, tell me, who is your favorite Christmas villain? You know, a movie, story, whatever. Tell, who's your favorite Christmas villain? Who do you know? Who's your favorite? The Grinch, right? We got the Grinch. Yeah, we got the Grinch. There he is. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? You know, first service, I think that's the only one they can come up with. It's like, they can come up with that. What? What? Uh, uh, Harry and Marv. We got Harry and Marv up there, don't we? Or, or Marv and Harry, according to, there they go, right? Right? Yeah. And I, did I hear the bumble from, uh, from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I think I heard that one a moment ago. The abominable snowman, yeah. The villain in that movie. Anybody else? Old Man, Old Man Potter and the greatest movie, Christmas movie of all times. Uh, that's me and uh, me and Kyle. We believe that anyway. So, another one? Anybody? There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's the, he had to come way deep down on that one, didn't? But we were ready for it, right? Yeah. Uh, from Santa Claus is coming to town. Any more? Any more? Who? Oh. The Rat King. I don't have that one for you. I'm sorry, but the Rat King. Yeah. Okay. What do we got? We got anything left, Kevin? That we didn't didn't figure out. Uh, who is that? Professor Hinkle. Yeah, from Frosty the Snowman. Y'all, y'all don't know these. Y'all, y'all, y'all have grandkids one day. And uh, oh yeah, everybody. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. A good one to end on, right? Because look at that face. I mean, villain written all over it, right? So all of those villains, seems like every Christmas story, every good guy to have a good villain. And the villain of all villains, I meant the one for whom villainy in a lot of ways and, and hating Christmas is named after is Scrooge, right? That's who we're going to talk just a little bit about. He's, he's kind of the jumping off point here a little bit, going to talk about a lot of other little things. But Scrooge, you know, I got a friend, one of my best friends growing up, he used to say things like, like uh, you know, that guy is so ugly that if you were to look up ugly in the dictionary, his picture will be underneath it, right? You ever, you ever heard anybody say something like this? Can I tell you something? You know, if you, look up, if you look up miser in some dictionaries, you will see the word Scrooge. You will see his name there. I mean, this is the guy who epitomizes. I mean, he, he was the one. And we're going to talk about him a little bit in, in all of these, in all of these uh, sermons coming up. But really specifically, if you look up his name, you do get a definition in the, in the uh, dictionary. If you look up his name, Scrooge, you get a definition of him too. I mean, how many people actually have their name in, in uh, dictionaries? And he does. The definition is a mean or miserly person, a spoiler of Christmas. You know, boo, you know, boo, hiss, right? And all that. Uh, he was a selfish, tightwad, mean-spirited killjoy. I mean, that's what he was. I mean, he, it's like he wasn't happy, and so he wasn't happy if anybody else was happy. You know, I mean, about the only thing that made him happy was for everybody else to not be happy. This is who Scrooge was. But Scrooge is not the only villain. He's not the only Scrooge. That is, that is lived. I mean, there have been a lot of Scrooges. There have been a lot of people, and there are a lot of people around us today who want to destroy hope. They want to destroy hope. They, they, they want to destroy joy. They want to do that. Why, why in the world? So let's, let's talk about that for just a, mi- a minute, okay? Because villains have always been with us. You know, in the recorded history of the Bible, we see a bunch of them. All the way back 
to the very beginning, okay? Just mention three to you real quickly, okay? One of them is Haman. Now, even if you don't know the story, just real quick, and if you go to the Sunday's page, which is a great resource for you, it's got all the announcements and stuff, but then there's a place where you can go to the sermon notes, and you can click on all these scriptures, and you can look up all these scriptures that are, are right there. We're not going to take time to read this one, but, but Haman, he, he hated this one guy so much that he wanted to, and this guy was a Jew, he wanted to kill all Jews because he hated this one guy so much. Okay, or like Pharaoh. Uh, you know, the Pharaohs, well, you know, the one in Exodus, you know, from uh, the story of Moses and all that. Now, he actually, he, he, he made this decree and made all the Jews that were living in Egypt, he made them slaves, and then that wasn't enough. He actually then decreed that every male child born to a Hebrew woman was supposed to be thrown into the Nile so that they would drown and that they, uh, so they would destroy those and they would keep pressing them down. Uh, and then another one, and as I said, this goes all the way back, all the way back to the very first family uh, in Genesis chapter 4 was Cain, who killed his own brother, his own twin brother. Okay, so, so you know, villainy, you know, has been with us all along. Let me, let me uh, remind you of something. If you've been here for a while, you may have heard me share this a little bit, but uh, in Genesis chapter 4, where, where God comes to Cain after Cain has killed Abel, God, God says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? Abel says, am I my brother's keeper? And, and God says, uh, the voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, okay, but I've read Hebrew scholars, and uh, they say that this word in the Hebrew for blood is actually in plural form. So as if God was saying, Cain, you, the voice of your brother's bloods is crying out to me from the ground where you spilled it out. The voice of your brother's bloods. You, you, you know, here's what I, you know, if, if this is what God intended, it's as if he's saying, you know, Abel has these bloodlines that are supposed to come forth from him. And he has these bloodlines and, and, and you spilled his bloods. And so these, these bloodlines, these bloods are crying out to me from the ground, Cain. You know, all of these kids that, that, that Abel had and these grandkids that were going to be born to him, all, all of these families and bloodlines, and, and, but he didn't have any of them, did he? Because Cain had destroyed the bloodline. See, this, this is the, the real, I guess, the real sad thing, the real horrible part of what... what villains do and, and when they're destroying is they don't just destroy for a moment. They destroy promise. They destroy future. They destroy potential. Everything that, that could have come from Abel was destroyed when Cain killed Abel. That, that, you know, today probably, if Cain had not killed Abel, today there would probably be people still alive today who were descendants of Abel. I mean, there, there could be an entire nation of people who were descendants of Abel if Cain had not killed him. And so, and so when, when a villain does something like this, when, when, when you injure or hurt somebody, you destroy more than just this moment. You can destroy future. You can destroy hope. And, and so here's one of the things I, I, I want to challenge you with. Is I want us to make sure that we don't do that. Let's, let's not become, even in the slightest bit, Make sure you don't become a villain that destroys or pushes down or things. And I just say, we'd never do that. Well, maybe we need to ask ourselves, how does this happen? How is it possible that, that people could be this evil? Okay, so let's back up and go through them just a little bit. Here's why. 
little personal opinion thrown in here with, with some scriptures. Well, about Haman, here's why Haman, uh, I believe his problem was ego. Yeah, he, got so, he got mad at this guy because he wanted him to bow down to him. That guy I told you he got real mad at. He wanted him to bow down. You know, Haman thought more of himself than he should have. Thought more of himself than everybody else did. And he wanted everybody to honor him. But instead of becoming the kind of man who can be honored, he just wanted to kill everybody. You know, that, that's what he wanted to do. Instead of taking the steps to actually be what he could be, his, his ego was just too big, and they just need to like me the way I am. Mm-hmm. Store that one away maybe for sometime later, right? Or, or like Pharaoh. I believe Pharaoh's problem was fear. You see, because Pharaoh was scared he was going to lose his throne. He was afraid that, that these Hebrews that were, that were growing, uh, you know, their families and, and their nation un, right underneath Egypt, he was worried that they were going to get so big, so strong, that they were going to uh, possibly overthrow him. And at first he said, let's make them slaves. That wasn't enough. He says, okay, we've got to kill all the little boys. As soon as they're born, we've got to throw them in the Nile River. Why did he do this? Because he was afraid. Instead of saying, man, God is making these people such, a, such an awesome group of man he God is just blessing him and instead of saying I wonder what they could become as part of my kingdom what could they bring to my kingdom and make our nation even greater instead of seeing maybe what can God do instead he lashed out in fear to destroy them or like Cain why why would Cain do such a thing disobedience because what Cain was doing is he was, he was watching Abel do the right thing and God was honoring him and Abel was getting closer and closer and closer to God and so, and so, you know, he was upset about that, and so God said, well, listen, Cain, if you were to do what was right, come on, then you could also be close to me as well. But Cain, instead of doing what was right so he could get close to God, he continued in his disobedience, and, and instead of him trying to do what was right, he pulled down the one that was doing what was right. Instead of, instead of becoming the man of God, instead of getting close to God himself, he tried to destroy the ones who had gotten close to God. And if we're not careful, come on, let's be honest, we can all do that just a little bit in ourselves. But here, I want to be really, really blunt about something. I want, I, I want to just tell you this, okay? That, you know, I believe the problem for all of this, and the problem for all of us when, when, when we do these kinds of things, when we hurt other people and destroy other people and even destroy their potential, their future. I believe it's because we all have this empty place inside of us that can only be filled with God. It's his place in our heart. And what we do is we start filling it with things that don't belong there. And those things never can satisfy you. So here's what I want to be blunt. So if you don't like blunt, stick your fingers in your ears for about 15 seconds, okay? And if you, don't, you won't have your feelings hurt, all right? But I want to be blunt to you, all right? So let's, I want to read this with you together. Go ahead. Thank you, Kevin. You can't work more overtime. You can't buy another toy. You can't have another drink. You can't try another hookup and feel the emptiness of living without God. And that's what this, this world is doing. And here's the danger. Here's the, here's the way. How in the world do we get from this place of, well, I, I'm dissatisfied or, or, or my ego is getting the best of me or maybe I'm a little fearful of this or, or, or you know, well, somebody, they're all getting closer to God than I am. How do we go from that to, to being true villains? I mean, how do we go to this place of, uh, of having Hitlers and Dahmers and, you know, and, and uh, how do we have 
how, how do we have people that, that come up in our societies like this is because it, it, just, it just continues to grow because we keep trying to fill that hole with something else and that's not enough. And so, you know, that's how one drink becomes alcoholism or, or driving on the wrong side of the road because you're drunk or beating your wife. That's how, that's how a, a, you know, a, little, you know, a little joint becomes a lot of, a, a lot of an addiction. You know, that, that's, how, that's how, you know, a little promiscuity ends up being uh, on and on and on to a pornography addiction that, that, that enslaves you and, and takes you to place. I, I mean, nobody in this world just wakes up one day and says, hey, I think I'll be a villain. Hey, I think I'll, I'll do harm to people around me. It's a progressive thing. And, and the, the one thing to, to, to insulate you and protect you from ever getting there is to make sure that empty place inside of you is filled with the thing that fits there. And that thing is Jesus Christ, making sure he's filled there. So, so all of us, all of us today, we need to look around and think, are, are we buying more and more toys to, to, to fill that? Or are we working more and more overtime so we can have a little more and more and more of this so, so we can fill that? Or are we truly filling that empty place? We've got to make sure we're doing that. Because if we're not, we're headed down the same, hopefully none of us go as far as these guys did, but we're heading down the same path that they went down and they just carried it too far. Okay, now I, I, I can't preach about Christmas villains without mentioning the very first Christmas villain, right? Who, don't put him up just yet, okay? Who is it? Anybody know? No, he's sitting there. You, can't, you can't guess if you're in first service, all right, because you're not guessing if you're in first service. Who, who's the first Christmas villain? Herod! We're on Sunday's page. Is that how you know? All right. right. See, it's a good thing to go to Sunday's page because you're ahead of everybody else, right? Herod, he was the first Christmas villain. Okay, so let's let's look at his story a little bit. Matthew chapter 2, the first two verses set the story up, all right? Um, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Okay, so we most of us kind of know that story, right? I mean, it's in a, a lot of Christmas stories and movies and things, so we kind of know that story. All right, now the next 14 verses, and if you want to read them, uh, if, again, go to the Sunday page, click on the link, you read the, you read the whole, I think it's 16 verses. I just took some excerpts out of the next 14 verses for you to get the idea of what's going on here. All right, and so the, the first thing it says is when, when King Herod heard this, that these, these wise men had come, to, to, because there was this uh, new king that had been born. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed. I, I, I really like uh, the words used there, especially in, in, in this, uh, this translation of, uh, of the Greek there. I really like this because it says, Herod was deeply disturbed, meaning that he was really troubled about this happening. You know, and really, Matthew is talking about this moment, that he was really troubled about this moment thing. But can I tell you something? I like these words here because, I'll tell you something. King Herod was a deeply disturbed man in his head, okay, and his heart. He was deeply disturbed. Now, we have other stories. We don't have a lot about Herod here in the Bible, but we have a lot of other historical accounts from other historians that wrote from even contemporary in those times. And one one of the things we find out about him is, is is that he was a deeply disturbed man, that he would hear that somebody, you know, just a rumor that somebody might want his throne. He would have him killed. And then he would go into deep depression and just go deeper and deeper and deeper until finally he would spring out of it and he would start building things and building things. I mean, that was, you know, I'm a king. I'm going to build something. He would build stuff and build stuff and build stuff until he heard another rumor that somebody else wanted his throne. He'd have them killed down deep in depression again and just stay there and stay until finally he emerged. And this cycle went on and on and on, so much so that he even killed his own brothers 
And, and he killed one of his wives. I think he had about ten wives, and he killed one of them for some of the... He was a deeply disturbed man. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's, that's who he was. All right? So it says that... So he called a meeting of his own personal wise men to ask, okay, tell me about this new king that supposedly is born. And then he called a meeting with these wise men, the travelers that had come through town looking for, looking for Jesus. And, and then it said, Herod was furious. furious. Let me tell you why he was furious. Because they told him a little bit, and then they left to find Jesus when they, they were supposed to come back to him. But God said, don't go back and tell Herod anything because Herod wants to kill Jesus. So they didn't go back. And Herod was furious. Now this deeply disturbed man, look what he did. It said he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. This was a deeply disturbed man. He was killing little baby boys because they might take his throne away from him. The crazy thing is he didn't live that many more years anyway. He wasn't even going to live probably until Jesus got grown enough to do it. But he killed all of these little, little baby boys. And if Herod had succeeded in what he intended to do, if he had succeeded in his plan, he would have killed Christmas before Christmas even began. I mean, think about it. He would have killed Christmas before anything really happened, all the stuff that we have. You know, think about just like Abel. I mean, there is no more Abel. It was snuffed out in Gen- he was snuffed out in Genesis chapter 4. His story was over. If Herod had, had, had succeeded in what he was trying to do in Matthew chapter 2, Everything after that, wouldn't be, we wouldn't know any of that. Jesus would have died. Uh, the, the, all of the stories about Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for, for our sin, him raising up on the third day to, so that you and I could have eternal life, all of those things wouldn't have happened if Herod had succeeded. How in the world, how in the world did Jesus escape being killed in, in, in the middle of all, all of these little Two-year-old and under boys were killed. How did Jesus escape? I can tell you real, real simple. It's right, right here. There may be a lot of things you think about, but here it is right here. God always has a plan. That's how. That's how Jesus escaped. God always has a plan. You know, I, I, got, a, I got a good friend. He, he likes to say, uh, he, he's actually a mentor of mine. He likes to say, nothing ever occurred to God. You know, whatever, you know what you're going through right now? It did not occur to God this morning that you were about to go through that. God already knew it. You know, it's like, it's like the father didn't learn, you know, lean over to the son you know, yesterday and say, you know what just occurred to me? It never happens. Never, nothing ever occurs to God. God already knows what is going on. He knows what's going on in your life today, tomorrow, next month, next year, and he's got a plan. Well, a lot of times we, I, I think we think about, we talk about, we may even preach about, you know, how, how God searched and he found just the, the, the most perfect Jewish maiden to be the mother of Jesus, you know, the, the son of God coming to flesh, for her to be the mother of Jesus here on this earth. But you know what? I believe he also looked and found the perfect man to be the father of Jesus here on the face of the earth. I believe he did that as well, you know. I believe that's what he did is he went and he found, and he found Joseph. And here's, here's, here's my message to us today. All of this, you know, we needed to touch on all these things. Here's the message to us. There will always be people, others, who try to destroy hope. But the real question is what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Right, do? Is that, yeah, it didn't say do, right? It didn't say feel. Well, we, we like to talk about our feelings, right? 
Come on, how do you feel about the election coming up real soon? How do you feel about the ball games yesterday? How do you feel about, you know, the, the selection? Oh, boy, you Alabama fans really on pins and needles right now, aren't you? How do you feel about it? You know what? It don't matter. How do you feel about what's happening to your family? It doesn't matter how you feel. You know, that's not what's going to make a difference, how I feel about the stuff, the, the problems that my family's going through now. That doesn't matter. If there's a villain attacking my it doesn't matter how I feel about it. What's really important is, what am I going to do about it? Come on, amen? I mean, you know, and so let me, let me tell you who I believe Joseph was. Let me give you a, a little four-letter word for Joseph. I believe Joseph was a hero. In the face of the villain was this hero. We, we know so little about Joseph in the Bible. We know, we know basically two stories. Let me give them to you real quick. We know that when, that when Joseph was engaged to Mary, and he finds out that she's pregnant, and we know how Joseph dealt with her. We know how he handled that situation. And at first he was going to do one thing, but he was still doing it with honor. But then when he finds out what's going on, then he embraces it and, and he takes it, all of it. I mean, what other word can you use? But man, he's a hero. I mean, if you're a woman, right? I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy you want to be married to is a guy who, who's there for whatever's going on, even maybe sometimes when he doesn't understand it. And now this second story we know about him is in the middle of this wise man, King Herod story and all of this, is that God, uh, sometime after Jesus was born, God sends Joseph a message and says, hey, Herod wants to kill Jesus, and so you got to get out of here. And so Joseph, in the middle of the night, gets up, gathers up Jesus and Mary and, and, as, much stuff as, and they, they, as much stuff as they can gather, and they head off into Egypt. He leaves everything behind. He leaves family behind. He leaves friends behind. He leaves a job behind. Uh, whatever he has built in his life, he leaves behind. If he's got a house, he's left it behind. Every connection, every way to make some extra money, he leaves it all behind just so he can protect this little boy that really isn't even his. I mean, what else, what other word? I mean, what can you say about him except say Joseph was a hero? He was a hero. And that's what God has called each of us to be. Heroes in the face of the villains. In the face of the villains. And see, you know, you know, here's what I believe. You, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, we, we get all upset about, you remember a couple of years ago, three, whatever it was, when everybody started saying happy holidays? My goodness, I'm not going back to that store again. They can't even wish you a Merry Christmas, right? Come on. I, I'm not jumping on you, okay? I'm just saying that's, that, that's how we feel about it, right? You know, I, and you know, when I'm, I'm taking notes or making my notes, I'm working, doing studies and things, and you know, and I want to type out the word Christmas, you know, after you, you know, after you type out Christmas, you know, or swipe it, I like to swipe, that's what I do on my phone, is you know, swipe it. You know, but after a while, you know, I just want to say, can I just put a C-M-A-S, you know, just C-M-A-S, you know, but you know, there's just something stuck in the back of my brain about, you know, how we just really came down on all those Xmas people years ago, right? And so I've got to write out Christmas because that's the battle I got to fight, right? You know, in that way. We got to tell you something, that, that's not really all that this fight is really about. God's called us to be heroes, and heroes of, uh, uh, of the spirit of Christmas. And, and it's not, I'll tell you this in just a moment, but it's not just, just this little thing that we call the spirit of Christmas either. But he's called us to be heroes. And, and as we look around, we think, oh no, you know, it's, it's, it's going away, or it's going to be destroyed, or, or, or everybody's attacking it and all of this. Well, you know, you know what? Merry Christmas might, it might go away, but the true spirit of Christmas is not ever going away if, if this happens. 
if this happens. You see, as long as there is a George Bailey to stand in the face of all the old man potters, as long as all of the proverbial who's down in Whoville stand up and celebrate Christmas anyway, as long as there are Abel's who are following after God, as long as there are Jacobets, which was Moses' mothers, who will say, wait a minute, uh-uh, not my family. Not my family. As long as there are mothers like that, as long as, 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 there are, uh, as there are Esthers who will seize the opportunity today to do something amazing, as long as there are Josephs who are determined to be the fathers that God intended all dads to be, then the spirit of, Christ, the spirit of Christmas, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and his death and burial and resurrection will never go away as long as those people are around. And that's who God has called us to be. That's us. We're the George Baileys to stand in the face of the old man potters when, when somebody is being mistreated. We're the George Baileys who are supposed to stand up and throw our shoulders back. We're supposed to be the who's in our, all of our little Whovilles. You know, you, you live in your Whoville and you live in your Whoville. All of our, we're the ones who, regardless of what anybody else is doing, I'm a child of God. I'm going to celebrate anyway. I don't care if you say happy holidays or not. Merry Christmas to you. I'm still going to celebrate it. You know, we're, we're the Abels that are supposed to be following after God. We're the Jacobet. Come on. We need some mamas, we need some mamas to stand up against, uh-uh, not my kids, not my family, not my marriage, not my, uh-uh, not my house, not anymore. We need, we need some mamas. God has called you mamas to be that, to say, no, not in my house. He's called us uh, like Esther's to, to take advantage of what, look, look at the opportunity. We took advantage of the opportunity that he's given us. He's given us so much more back there on the serve wall, and God has called us to, to take advantage of these opportunities, and God has called us like Joseph's, men and women alike. He's called us to be the parents, to be determined to be the parents that God meant for all men and women to be over their children and to stand in God. And if we do that, then there is no villain that can take away the hope that Jesus Christ has given to your family. There is no villain that can take away the hope that he has given to our community. Amen. 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 Because Christmas... That next slide that I said was my closing, it is my closing, but I want to give it to you before you come down. Christmas is not just about the birth of a baby. When Jesus was born, all the things you and I have today through Jesus was birthed that night. So Christmas is about hope, joy, peace, love, grace, purpose, power, freedom, and new life. Christmas is the night all of that was born. And when we are the heroes, we're not standing up for a little phrase called Merry Christmas. We are standing up for every single one of these. And then when life begins to try to destroy them, life begins to try to take away our hope and our, our promise and our future, and we stand, and we stand for the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christmas, these are the things we're standing for.